And welcome to The Daily with Syl Stein here on Anchor. Today we're going to begin with on writing. We have covered um, the book Stephen King on writing, a memoir of the craft. We've done the toolbox. We've, we've uh, discussed the beginning of the toolbox. We did adverbs. We've gone into the grammar, vocabulary. And now we're going to resume on page 129 and continue with the top layer of your toolbox or what he calls that. Here we go. And welcome. Happy, happy Friday. I hope you're having a great day. Lift out the top layer of your toolbox, your vocabulary and all the grammar stuff. On the layer beneath, go go those elements of style upon which I've already touched. Strong and white offer the best tools and the best rules you could hope for, describing them simply and clearly. They are offered with a refreshing, uh, refreshing strictness. Beginning with a rule on how to form possessives, you always add apostrophe S, even when the word you're modifying ends in S. Always write Thomas's bike, and never Thomas and then apostrophe bike and ending with ideas about where it's best to place the most important parts of a sentence. They say at the end, they they stay at the end, and everyone's entitled to his or her opinion, but I don't believe with a hammer he killed Frank will ever replace he killed Frank with a hammer. That's what he says. Before leaving the basic elements of form and style, we ought to think for a moment about the paragraph, the form of organization, which comes after the sentence. To that end, grab a novel, preferably one you haven't read yet, down from your shelf. That's the advice he gives from your shelf. The stuff I'm telling you applies to most prose, but since I'm a fiction writer, it's fiction I usually think about when I think about writing. Open the book in the middle and look at any two pages. Observe the pattern, the lines of type, the margins, and most particularly, the blocks of white space where paragraphs begin or leave off. You can tell without even reading if the book you've chosen is apt to be easy or hard right. Uh, He says, you can tell without even reading if the book you've chosen is apt to be easy or hard, right? Easy books contain lots of short paragraphs, including dialogue paragraphs, which may only be a word or two long and lots of white space. They're as airy as Dairy Queen ice cream cones. Hard books, once full of ideas, narration, or description, have a stouter look, a packed look. Paragraphs are almost as important for how they look as for what they say. They are maps of intent. In expository prose, he says, paragraphs in expository prose, excuse me, prose can and should be neat and utilitarian. The ideal expository graph contains a topic sentence, followed by others, which explain or amplify the first. Here are two paragraphs from the ever-popular informal essay, which illustrate the simple but powerful, powerful form of writing. We'll be right back. And we're back to the Daily with Sil Stein here on Anchor. Happy, happy Friday. I am Sylvia Stein. Happy to be with you guys today. Then it left, it left stopped on page 129. Now we're moving on to 130. When I, uh, he, he was saying here are two paragraphs 
from the ever popular informal essay, which illustrates the simple but powerful form, powerful form of writing. He's talking about um, expository graph. So here we go. When I was 10, I feared my sister Megan. It was impossible. It was impossible for her to come into my room without breaking at least one of my favorite toys, usually the favorite of favorites. Her gaze had some magical tape destroying quality. Any poster she looked at seemed to fall off the wall only seconds later. Well-loved articles of clothing disappeared from the closet. She didn't take them, at least I don't think so, only made them vanish. I usually find that treasured t-shirt or my favorite Nikes deep under the bed months later, looking sad and abandoned among the dust kitties. When Megan was in my room, stereo speakers, blue window shades flew up with a bang and the lamp on my desk usually went dead. She could be consciously cruel too. On one occasion, Megan poured orange juice into my cereal. On another, she squirted toothpaste into the toes of my socks while I was taking a shower. And although she never admitted it, I am positive that whenever I fell, I, uh, I fell asleep on the couch during halftime of the Sunday afternoon pro football games on TV, she rubbed boogers in my hair. Informal essays are, by and large, silly and insubstantial things. Unless you get a job as a columnist at your local newspaper, writing such fluffery is a skill you'll never use in the actual mall and filling station world. Teachers assign them when they can't think of any other way to waste your time, he says. The most, notor the most notorious subject, of course, is how I spent my summer vacation. I taught writing for a year at the University of Maine in Orano and had one class loaded with athletes and cheerleaders. They liked informal essays, greeting, from, greeting them like the old high school friends they were. I spent one whole semester fighting the urge to ask them to write two pages of well-turned prose on the subject of if Jesus were my teammate. What held me back was the sure and terrible knowledge that most of them would take to the task with enthusiasm. So I might actually weep while in the throes of composition. He says, even in the informal essay, however, it's possible to see how strong the basic paragraph can be. Uh, the basic paragraph form, paragraph form can be. Topic sentence followed by support and description insists that the writer organize his or her thoughts, and it also provides good insurance against wandering away from the topic. Wandering isn't a big deal in an informal essay. It's practically the rigor as a matter of fact, but it's a very bad habit to get into when working on more serious subjects in a more formal manner. Writing is refined thinking. If your master's thesis is no more organized than a high school essay titled, Why Shania Twain, why, he says, Why Shania Twain turns me on, you're in big trouble. At least that's what he says here. And we'll be right back. Give me a second. And I apologize for the background noise. Happy Friday. We're back. Um, now we're, we're on the next page. I'm following the book 
Uh, if, if you're barely joining the show, it's um, I, my name is Sylvia Stein. This is a daily here on Anchor. We're covering Stephen, Stephen King on writing a memoir of the craft. And now I left off on page 131 of his paperback book. So he says, um, why Shania Twain turns me on, you're in uh, big trouble. That's what he mentions here. As far as writing is refined thinking. If your master's thesis is no more organized than a high school essay, then you're in big trouble. So let's continue And what he says. In fiction, the paragraph is less structured. It's the beat instead of the actual melody. The more fiction you read and write, the more you'll find your paragraphs forming on their own. And that's why you and that's what you want. When composing its best, he says. Not to think too much about where paragraphs begin and end. The trick is to let nature take its course. If you don't like it later on, fix it then. That's what rewrite is all about. Now check out the following. Big Big Tony's room wasn't what Dale had expected. The light had an odd yellowish cast that reminded him of cheap motels he'd stay in. The ones where he always seemed to end up with a scenic view of the parking lot. The only picture was Miss May hanging askew on a pushpin. One shiny black shoe stuck out from under the bed. I don't know why you keep asking me about O'Leary, Big Tony said. You think my story's gonna change? Is it? Dill asked. When your story when your story's true it don't change. The truth is always the same boring and he writes the uh, he writes the S word day in and day out. Big Tony sat down. It's a little cigarette Big Tony sat down, lit a cigarette, comma uh ran a hand through her through his hair, sorry. So it's Big Tony sat down, comma, lit a cigarette, comma, and ran a hand through his hair. I ain't seen the 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 colorful word Mick since last summer. I let him hang around because he made me laugh. Once showed me this thing he wrote about what it would have been like if Jesus was on his high school football team. Had a picture of Christ in a helmet and knee pads and everything but what a troublesome little and uses a colorful word he turned out to be I wish I had never seen him so then he he proceeds by saying we could have a 50 minute writing class on just this brief passage it would encompass dialogue attribution not necessary uh, if we know who's speaking rule 17 omit needless words in action Phonetically rendered language, dunno, gonna, the use of the comma, there is none in the line. When your story's true, it don't change because I want you to hear it coming out in one breath without a pause. The decision not to use the apostrophe for the speaker has dropped. You know, there's certain letters and all that stuff is just from the top level of the toolbox. Or the toolbox. Sorry. So that's where we leave off and we'll be right back. And I meant toolbox. And welcome to the Daily here on Anchor. I am Sylvia Stein. 
We're covering the book Stephen King on writing a memoir of the craft. And now we're going to continue. Stephen King on writing says on page 133. Let's stick with the paragraphs though. Notice how easily they flow. With the turns and rhythms of the story dictating where each one begins and ends. The opening graph is of the classic type, beginning with a topic sentence that is supported by the sentences which follow. Others, however, exist solely to differentiate between Dale's dialogue and Big Tony's. The most interesting paragraph is the fifth one. Uh, fifth one, sorry. Fifth one. Big Tony sat down, lit a cigarette, ran a hand through his hair. It's only a single sentence long, and expository paragraphs almost never consist of a single sentence. It's not even a very good sentence, technically speaking, he says, to make it perfect in the Warner sense. There should be a conjunction. And also, what exactly is the purpose of this paragraph? So he says, first, the sentence may be flawed in a technical sense, but it's a, it's a good one in terms of the entire passage. It, its brevity and telegraphic style vary the pace and keep the writing fresh. Suspense novelist Jonathan Kellerman uses this technique very successfully. In Survival of the Fittest, he writes, The boat was 30 feet of sleek white fiberglass with gray trim, tall masts, the sails tight. Satori painted on the hull in black script etched with gold. It is possible to overuse the well-turned fragment, and Kellerman sometimes does, but frags can also work beautifully to streamline narration, create clear images, and create tensions as well as to vary the prose line. A series of gram grammatic grammarly, grammarly proper sentence can stiffen that line, making it less pliable. Pursuits hate, I mean, sorry, purists hate to hear that and will deny it to their dying says, breath. But it's true. Language does not always have to wear a tie and a lace-up shoe or lace-up shoes. The object of fiction isn't grammatical, uh, isn't grammatical correct correctness, but to make the reader welcome and then tell a story, to make him or her forget whenever possible that he or she is reading a story at all. A single sentence paragraph more closely resembles talk than writing, and that's good. Writing is seduction. Good talk is part of seduction. If not so, why do so many couples who start the evening at dinner wind up in bed? And we'll be right back. Welcome to The Daily here on Anchor. This is Sylvia Stein. And now it's time for the wrap-up. The other uses of this paragraph include stage direction, minor but useful enhancement of character and setting, and a vital moment of transition. From protesting that his story is true, Big Tony moves on to his memories of O'Leary. Since the source of dialogue doesn't change, Tony sitting down and lightening up could take place in the same paragraph with the dialogue picking up again afterwards. 
but the writer doesn't elect to do it that best way because Big Tony takes a new tack. The writer breaks the dialogue into two paragraphs. It's a decision made instantaneously in the course of writing, one based entirely on the beat and writers here in his or her own head. It says here, The beat is part of the genetic handwriting. Kellerman writes a lot of fragments, but because he hears a lot of fragments, but it's also the result of the thousands of hours that writers have spent composing and the t- tens of thousands of r- hours he or she may have spent reading the composition of others. I would argue, he says, that the paragraph, not the sentence, is the basic unit of writing. The place where coherence begins and words stand a chance of becoming more than were than mere words. If the moment of quickening is to come, it comes at the level of the paragraph. It is mar is it is marvelous and flexible instrument it's it's a marvelous and flexible instrument that can be single world world long can be a single word long or run on for pages. One paragraph in Doctor in Don Robertson's historical novel Paradise Falls is sixteen. There are paragraphs in Ross Lockridge Rain Tree Country, which are also near that. You must learn to use it well if you're to write well. What does this mean? What does this mean? It's a lot of practice. You ha- you just have to learn the beat, and that's like with anything. You have to learn how to do it. I really appreciate everyone who has joined uh, the daily with Sil- with uh, Silstein here on Anchor. Goodness, with Silstein on Anchor. I hope you'll join us again for another show on and and continuing on Stephen King on writing on writing a memoir of the craft, and we're gonna finish up on this section of the chapter. And then hopefully begin a new one. So I really do appreciate you being here for the wrap up. And for joining me here today here on Anchor through uh, Anchor through the Anchor app or the Anchor podcast. And I really enjoyed covering Stephen King on writing a memoir of the craft. And I hope you all have a very amazing and blessed uh, Friday. Have a, have a great one everyone and thank you for joining us.